February 12th, 2016. My name is Kellen Conley, and welcome to Hyphen Nation. Another action-packed broadcast for you, coming live from the Kroger in the Suncrest Town Center in Morgantown, West Virginia. Live from the parking lot. That's how real we keep it around these parts. Episode 6. Happy to be here, happy to be alive. Temperature is freezing in Morgantown currently. It is a balmy 2 degrees. Well, that was at 543. It's a balmy 3 degrees now at 903 in Morgantown, y'all. And according to this, it feels like 3 degrees, so I'm guessing the wind chills. Not peeking its little head in there. How about that Super Bowl, man? Cam and the Panthers just couldn't they they weren't ready. They weren't ready. I thought I thought they were too strong, but once you get in that Super Bowl, man, it, it's a whole different ball game. And I said to um my friend Paul Herman on Twitter the other day, if if the Panthers and the Broncos played 10 games, I still feel like the Panthers would win at least eight out of ten of those games. But when it's just one game with it all on the line. It's it's difficult. It's difficult. And and Cam won the MVP just like was predicted. He walked off. I don't see that being a big deal. He lost the biggest game of his life. Um and you can t- call him immature, you can call him whatever you want. But I don't know how anyone would handle that situation. It it probably had been easier on him if the Broncos had blown the Panthers out. And they didn't. The Panthers had multiple opportunities to win that game, and they just didn't make, they didn't take advantage of it. So everybody's been saying to me, like, oh, well, leading up to the game, we want Peyton to win. This is probably Peyton's last one, which I'm thinking is true. Um, and Cam will have, has plenty of time to get back to the Super Bowl. Do you know how hard it is to get back to the Super Bowl, though? The the recreate that magic and dominate. That's one of the reasons why the Bills in the nineties were so amazing, despite the fact they lost all four of their Super Bowl appearances. They were amazing because year after year they would get through the whole AFC to get back to the Super Bowl and then they would fall all fall apart on them. And uh that's rough. It's rough when those things happen. Um, and it's hard to get back because injuries happen all the time. Players move teams much more frequently than they did back then. Um, coaching staffs change. Other teams around the league get better. So it's always a constant struggle. That's why one of the reasons why we haven't really seen a team go back to the Super Bowl um, that often other than the Seahawks. 
it, it's hard to get back there two years in a row. And it's even harder to get back there once you, once some time has passed. But it was a great game. It was a great, great game. I'm so glad that it's over with, though. Sad football's gone. Happy for Peyton. I finished my picks under 500, like I said. But it wasn't about that. It was all for fun. All for fun. But uh, something I do want to get into is today's show. I got a variety of topics I want to get into. Um, lots of cool stuff. I'm going to be recording this for about another 19 minutes and then take the break. Um, and then we will go ahead and move, um, come back and finish it off at lunchtime. I do have more things to uh, promote, though. And I'm going to start off with the same gentleman who gave me information last week to put on the show. And that is Bobby Nash. And Bobby Nash has a little book um, coming out that is called Domino Lady slash Sherlock Holmes. It's, it's written by Nancy Holder and Bobby Nash. Moonstone Books brings all the Sherlock Holmes and Domino Lady team-ups together in one collection. And you can find Moonstone Books at MoonstoneBooks.com. You can find Bobby at BobbyNash.com. And let's see, he said it's in the February issue of Previews, which is available now. Sherlock Holmes slash Domino Lady trade paperback written by Nancy Holder, Bobby Nash, are by Reno Menakis, Mike Files, and the cover is also by Mike Files. So if you are a retailer who sells trade paperbacks and you want to get this in your store, the diamond item code is February 16, 1650. And actual trade will be in stores April 20th. Whoops. April 2016. So again, if you're into Sherlock Holmes, if you're into Domino Lady, highly recommend this reading. Bobby is a beast on the books. I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but he was also in the pilot episode of Satisfaction on USA. He was on the plane when the main character, I haven't watched in a while, I do like that show though, um, kind of went nuts on the plane. I saw him. So he's also a movie star. So if you want to buy a book by a movie star as well, or a TV star as well as an acclaimed writer, check out Sherlock Holmes slash Domino Lady trade paperback. Available from Moonstone Books. Yeah. See, it's getting better. <laughs> it's getting better. Uh, so let's see. I want to end the show talking about Daniel Bryan. So I'm going to do my topics backwards. Normally I just roll down them. Um, well, not backwards. I'm going to skip that one, and then we'll start from the second thing that I have here. And that being Super Bowl Monday needs to be a national holiday. Now hear me out. I know you're probably like, oh, well, a lot of people even watch sports. They don't care about Super Bowl. Why do you have to, why do you have to have Monday off? Or, or maybe you're saying, oh, why do you got to get so, so drunk at this? You're watching the Super Bowl that you have a hangover and you need a Monday off. No, no, it's neither of those things. Well, it's not the second one. I, um... What am I trying to say? I just think that with especially how long the game takes, because the game went over until, what, 11? 
and then you watch the post-game stuff. I'm not one who can just turn off a Super Bowl afterwards. By the time the game's over, you're looking at midnight, and that's only if you have sense enough to go to bed. I tried to go to bed after all that, but I was so wired, and just from all the storylines after the game with Cam and Peyton and um, Vaughn Miller, all the different things. I was on Twitter for a long time just talking about the game and different things that happened. Retweeting. You can follow me on Twitter, at B-hyphen, by the way. <laughs> if you're in that, because I keep hearing things that Twitter sucks, and they missed their window to really change anything in the past nine years, and things have gone from bad to worse or something like that. But if you are still on Twitter, B-hyphen, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N. But hear me out. I know February already has President's Day, which isn't really recognized as a national national holiday because Angel still has to go to school and teach. But like all the businesses, like I'm off, my friend Gary's off, Steve's off. We all work at banks and credit unions. Um, so we don't have to work. And Christian, who's, um, who uh, he works for an accounting business in Fairmont, he also is off. But then schools are going. So I don't think that even counts. That's not even a good national holiday. Like Martin Luther King Day, everybody's off. Fourth of July, everybody's off. I feel like the Super Bowl was on a grand enough scale where it warrants some form of holiday. And something I'm definitely going to try my best to start doing. I wanted to start this year, but I just didn't have the time to do it, the PTO. I'm going to at least start taking off Super Bowl Monday. Because I could use it. I know it sounds stupid to people that don't watch sport ball, that don't like football, don't like the NFL, um, to suddenly not watch a game on that Sunday, watch whatever you're watching, and then that following Monday, you not have to go to work. But think about it. It's always the first weekend of, like the first weekend in February now. It's cold, it's snowing most of the time, unless you live in warm climates. I no longer have warm climate friends. Because of the snow we got recently this week. That stunk. <laughs> um, I just feel like a national holiday would really help morale across this country for the Super Bowl. And then on top of that, it was already bad enough I was at work on little to no sleep because I couldn't fall asleep. Then in the afternoon, Daniel Bryan's like, oh, I'm retiring. So I really needed a national holiday. I, I should have been at home drinking at that point, but I was still at work. So just an idea. Um, I'd like to I'd like to hear everybody's feedback on that. Whether you think the Super Bowl Super Bowl Monday, the Monday after the Super Bowl, whether that should be some form of holiday, or even I mean, obviously that's not in real consideration. But even if you're willing to join me in my. Uh, quest to start taking off Super Bowl Mondays just for recuperation in the the final morning of the NFL season. I, I, it's kind of like putting it to bed, putting the season to bed. I feel like you, as a real football fan, you need that day to, to really process that you're not going to see football for months again because you already lost fantasy football at the end of December, first week of January. Um, and then FanDuel, you couldn't do any more football after the championship round. So I I could see where some people like myself (laughs) 
could use a little time to process that. That's just my opinion, though. So think about that one. Get back to me. I want to hear your opinions on that. I know I got people listening, so uh, hit up the comments or shoot an email, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N-B hyphen at gmail.com. Last week. Well, let's see. I got it. Now let me go ahead and do another topic. I was going, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do another read or if I wanted to do a topic. I'll go into the next topic. Last week in my recommendations at the end of episode five, I mentioned that I was watching The People versus O.J. Simpson in American Crime Story. American Crime Story. Excellent, excellent series so far. Two episodes in last week. Um, it came, it came, comes on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on FX. It was the Bronco Chase. Um, not, it is television, and I also was very young when all of this was happening with OJ. But I wonder, I kind of wonder how much of this was facts, because I don't remember this detail. Again, when this was all happening with OJ and the White Bronco, I was trying to watch the Knicks and Rockets and NBA Finals. I was highly pissed off. They kept showing this Bronco. I didn't understand why was OJ running. Yeah, I heard they killed somebody, but I didn't believe it. I was 10. I knew who OJ was at that point. I'd seen him in Naked Gun. He was a television personality at that point for NBC, I believe. Um, I, I had just started learning about what he had done when he was with the Bills in the NFL. I, I, it wasn't even that long ago when I, I kind of found that out about who O.J. Simpson was, his relation to football. Um, but the episode was excellent. There was a little too much Kardashians in it. Not Bobby, but the fact that they had to once again have all of Bobby's kids on TV saying, oh, look, our daddy's on TV. We know that Kim and Courtney and Chloe and Robert all existed we do we absolutely know this they you can't do anything anymore without without running into kardashian something we all know that they exist they don't need to be in this episode because there was like three or four shots of them celebrating that bobby was on tv played by david schwimmer who's doing an excellent job he hasn't made me forget he's playing a character. I still see David Schwimmer playing a character. Unlike Cuba Gooding, who is already making me believe he's truly O.J. Simpson, which is simply awesome, in my opinion. But the thing I wanted to get to about this is watching a Bronco chase now and watching um, everything happen as an adult versus when I was a kid and the whole O.J. Simpson trial in general. Because I can't lie, I had no facts when I was a kid. I've I read some people magazines and everybody saying, well, everybody saying the story was he killed Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. Um, he was on trial for double mur- double homicide. And all this evidence was coming out against them. It took forever for them to get everything situated so they could even go to trial. I think the verdict came out in what, 96? If it wasn't, it was ninety. It was ninety-five or ninety-six when the verdict finally came out that he was not guilty. But when I was a kid, OJ didn't do it. OJ didn't do it. No, OJ was framed. There was something going on. Somebody else had to have come for come for those two people. 
That's how I felt. There was no other way around it. There was no other logical explanation. O.J. Simpson is a football hero. He's a sports, dare I say, sports god. Why would he do this? He has no reason to. I don't care if he did have a past history of abusing Nicole. He loved Nicole. I didn't understand these things at 10. I'm not even 10. 11, 12. I didn't, I didn't understand these concepts. There was never a doubt in my mind that OJ didn't do it. And I remember I was in Miss Master's class with, uh, with my homie Matt. Um, seventh grade, she taught English. And we were in there, and then I, I think some, uh, one of the teachers came in and told Miss Master, you're like, hey, the verdict's in. It might have been Mrs. Meadows. Like, hey, the verdict just came in. Not guilty. I heard that. I was like, no way. No way. And I don't remember if Miss Master brought it up in class for a few minutes or even if she told the class what the verdict was. But I was the only black kid in my junior high. Damn near. There was maybe, what, four of us? Four or five of us? I was in an all-white junior high school in Cape and Bridge, West Virginia, when the verdict came in. And... Verdict came in, not guilty. I was like, yes! I told you OJ didn't, didn't. And some of my friends, people I still talk to today, are like, OJ did it. I can't believe he got off. And da 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 da. And that was my first taste of realizing that the black people were taking OJ's side and the white people were taking um, the, def- the um, prosecution side on the side that he did it. I, I I cared about sports then. I didn't care about race. Um, I didn't care about any of those things. I just thought that OJ didn't do it. wasn't possible. That he was framed. That the truth would eventually come out. I can't remember what side my mom was on. Knowing her like I do now, pretty sure she was. She thought OJ did it. I don't remember where my dad stood. He's a lot like me, where he knows of current events, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't really get into talk about current events, really. So, I can't remember if he thought OJ did it or not. I'm going to go with the idea that he also thought OJ did it, though. So, he was a black man, again, living in Cape and Bridge, West Virginia, who thought OJ actually did it. The the scene that uh, really stood out to me, and I'm I'm going obviously in the first episode they kind of touched on it a lot, um, and you can tell from the previews the upcoming episodes are going to get into it a lot, and then just from this because I've never really went back to really get into the specifics of the trial like that, you realize how much the trial stopped being about OJ killing these two people and it became about the LAPD trying to hang a double homicide on a black man, a black, a famous black athlete slash celebrity. Which is a shame for both Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Absolute shame. 
because yeah, the family won the civil case against OJ like a couple years later, but they didn't win the murder case. And even though OJ's in prison now for whatever the hell he did, I can't remember. It's still not justice. And honestly, even if he had been found guilty, the Goldman and the Brown families will never be the same. Never. It's 20, almost 22 years since they were murdered. Things will never be different for them. They will always have those, mem- those awful memories of losing their loved ones. Even if OJ was rotten behind bars or got the death penalty, I don't even know if LA had the death penalty then or has it now. I, it wouldn't have been enough. But there was a scene with the actor playing Christopher Darden was at a barbecue with his father and some of his neighborhood friends. OJ's running. And then the black guy's like, run, OJ, run, run. See, me at the time, I was like, get OJ off my screen. I want to watch the Knicks and the Rockets. Priorities, people. And then Chris, Chris starts talking to the, to the, the guys, the neighborhood guys, his homies, his, his friends, maybe even family. And they're all like, oh, you know OJ didn't do it. OJ got framed. OJ got set up by the LAPD. Yada, yada, yada. Bum, bum, bum. And Chris is like, no, he totally did this. Y'all, there's no way he didn't. And you can see the race lines being drawn. And one of my favorite parts of those scenes at the barbecue is I believe it was after OJ had went to Brentwood and they finally had him in custody. Um, You're still watching on TV. And Chris's father leans over to him and says, you stay the hell away from this. Because he could see the writing on the wall. He knew this wasn't going to be a simple murder trial. Two years after the L.A. riots and the Rodney King verdict, arguably one of the most famous African-American celebrities on the planet is accused of killing two people in Los Angeles. How could it not be about race? And it kind of makes me sad to think that he got off because he was black and because he had the best defense team money could buy. If it had been anybody else who decided to murder Nicole and Ron, they'd been done for. No questions asked. You could say, oh, the LAPD did it, but nobody would have cared enough to stop him from to stop this black guy from going to prison because he's OJ Simpson and because he had the best legal team that's why OJ got off because it wasn't even like three years later I knew OJ did it the older I got more made sense OJ did it OJ did it so it's interesting to compare and and contrast my opinions just a few years later to now and then being able to go back and see the big picture of what was going on. Cause yeah, police brutality was at an all time high and 
California and all over in the late 80s and early 90s. It was ridiculous. Rodney King should not have gotten all, should, I mean, those cops shouldn't have got off for being Rodney King. There's cops today that are still getting off for awful murders against African Americans. Ferguson, Baltimore, Cleveland. It's all over the place. Constantly happening. Police brutality has not stopped, has not changed. But it's sad that we can't separate the wrong of police brutality from the wrongs of O.J. Simpson. I'm going to take a break. I will be back at lunch, not to end on a somber note. But when I come back, I will read about Mark Bosquet's newest completed series, American Sniper. And then we will get into some other topics, including stale gas station food, my music versus podcast problem, and of course, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. So sit tight. Don't go anywhere. I know you won't because it's going to be a smooth transition for you. Smooth You're listening transition. to Hyphenation. As Hyphenation continues on, I'm going to kick things off with something super exciting because this man's work is something I highly respect. And he has a new book out. It is Mark Bosquet with his newest novel, book, story. Ebook saga. <laughs> this one's called American Hercules: The Hunt for Zeus, and it's the American Hercules Collected Seasons Book One. Now, when I say that, Mark has actually been releasing these in parts. Um, I think every two weeks or so. It's only like a hundred some pages. Um, as um, I don't want to say a digest, but as a series. And now he's collecting it all into one. So let me tell you a little bit about this great opportunity for you to read something from a great author and founder of Space Buggy Press. In the tradition of NBC's The Blacklist, Space Buggy Press welcomes you to the contemporary reimagining of the legendary labors of Hercules. Nathan Hercules served his country with honor and distinction in the Middle Eastern in the Middle East Theater. And then he came home to murder his wife and children. Remembering nothing of it about his crime, Nathan, none, Nathan nonetheless agreed to live out his life in prison to ensure no one else died at his hands. Six years later, he's out. Released into the custody of CIA Special Avengers Director Landon Eurythesius, sorry, <laughs> Hercules put the work in the newly formed labor division. They have one mission. Find the world's richest missing person, Washington Zeus. Joined by FBI agents Catherine Maida, Ernest Etienne, Focus Riley, and CIA Special Operative Persephone, Labor Division battles a wide range of monsters across the United States. The Lion of Nemea, the Hydra Lerna, the Hind of Curran, the Boar of Acadia, the Stables of Augia, and the Birds of Stempt. As they hunt, the layers of labor divisions past are slowly peeled away, revealing an intricate and connected web that threatened everything Nathan believes about his life and himself. Is anyone who they claim to be? Who is Forsyth's Collective? Who is the Forsyth's Collective? And finally, just how much of Hercules' life has been an orchestrated lie. So yeah, if you are into that, after that butchering, I just did it in the description. Please, please, please. Go to Amazon. 
you can use my Amazon links. I will get it up there today because I've been bullshitting. If you go to b-hyphen.com or podcast.b-hyphen.com, there will be Amazon links. If you click that and then decide to purchase American Hercules for yourself, then a little bit gets comes back to the show. And you get to support Mark Bosquet, a good friend of mine, and a great writer. So check that out. It's Hercules Reimagined in the Modern World. American Hercules, The Hunt for Zeus. The Collected Seasons, Book One. Yeah! I, I can't lie. I'm really excited to read that book. I have the first one on my Kindle. And I haven't read the, the first issue, but I'm definitely wanting to get the full collection for um, so I can read the whole thing. Because like I said, I love Mark's stuff. Next topic. I ate stale gas station food and lived to tell the tale. I hope. So it was uh, this yesterday morning. Pretty sure it was yesterday morning. <laughs> uh, Angel's on a two-hour delay, so she leaves the house around the same time as I did to go to work with Aaliyah. I was parked behind Angel. My plan was to grab something to take for lunch. But because they were leaving, I was behind them. Even though I probably had an extra few minutes, I could have moved. I just went in and left. So I didn't have any food for lunch. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just uh, swing on through to BFS and get my free Tim Hortons. Because I once again filled another punch card for a free Tim Hortons large coffee. And... (laughs) Like, looking at their snacks and stuff. I'm like, well, I'll just grab some of these uh, fudge rounds and a pack of Pop-Tarts. What could go wrong? So, um, I order my food. Order my food. I, I grab my food. I head down to the cash register. Sorry. A little distracted. Go to the cash register, pay, get to work, pop open my... Fudge rounds. I had two of those that had a pack of pop tarts. And the fudge rounds are a little hard. And I, when I say hard, they're not like crunchy. But fudge rounds to be soft. And these definitely needed a little jaw action to get through. But I was I was undeterred, undeterred because I was I, I love fudge rounds so much. I was like, oh, it's a grocery store. I mean, a convenience store. What do you expect? Can't be that bad. I think I checked the dates on them. They were still recent, so they might have been out for a little while, but no big deal. I ate the Pop-Tarts. Bruh. Never in my 33 years on this planet that I recall have I had stale Pop-Tarts. They just tasted off. There was something... They just tasted stale. Like They tasted like a cherry Pop-Tart should taste, but... I was chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing. It was it was brutal. Not my favoriteest or proudest moment. So I ate those. Of course, I'm still hungry. Um, we're at the end of end of not having any money because we got paid today. I could have spared a couple dollars to go get something on my stomach. And here's the thing, again, going back to the whole trying to lose weight thing. 
I wasn't starving by any means. I wasn't hurting. Um, of course, I felt like I was, but I wasn't. And that's where I have no willpower when it comes to this kind of stuff. Because I should have just sucked it up and waited till I got home. I wasn't hungry. I really wasn't, but I wanted to eat. And so I ended up going to CVS and getting a pack of gummy bears and getting a pack of gummy worms and eating those. So the food struggles are continuing. I'm uh, I'm not doing too well. I'm trying to cut back on some things. You know, I'm still, I'm trying, I'm still trying to do better, but the, the, um, passion, I don't even call it passion, but the, at least the determination I had in January when I was like, well, I'm not only going to do this and do this and try to eat better and not eat this and not spend money on junk and eat at home. And I'm doing terrible and all them things, all those things. So I'm struggling there, <laughs> but, uh. That'll be the last time that I purchase said food items from BFS that have been sitting on the shelf. I knew better. I could have just, and I could have went to Sheets. I know Sheets and stuff is more fresh, fresher. But I I was thinking I was hungry and it was convenient. So I just went ahead and ate the stale and the stale food. And here's the thing. Here's the thing though. Here's the best part. I, um, (laughs) <laughs> I I didn't stop eating it. Like I realized within the first two bites something was seriously wrong. And I, I just pushed through. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna commit to this mistake. I'm just gonna eat these shitty pop tarts as a punishment for myself and maybe I'll learn a lesson and next time when I don't when I leave the house without food, that I'll just not stop and get crap or I'll actually stop and get something of value or figure something out or wait till I get home. Not a proud moment for your boy. <laughs> there goes the your boy talk again. So that was interesting. It's something I thought I would want to share. Share with all the people. Because I am a man of the people. One day, hopefully I will be on a, on a stage recording this show live for an audience. And then I will go, I do this for the people. And then the crowd's going to go, because you're a man of the people. That'll be pretty slick. Pretty slick. Next topic. The music versus podcast problem. I'm only going to spend a few minutes on this. I don't I'm just, this is another one I'm throwing out there for everybody. Does anyone else have a problem with what to listen to? on their digital device, whether that's still an iPod like me or on your phone, your Android or your um, iPhone or your Windows phone, I guess. Um, Reason being, I, not even recently, but I got back into podcasts super, super big time. (laughs) That works. And I'm subscribed to all the certain amount of shows, but then there's also shows like that I'll pick and choose episodes from. Like I don't want to listen to every Chris Jericho um, podcast is Jericho, whatever the show's called. I want to listen to every single one of those. But 
there's certain episodes he has a guest on. I want to listen to, so I download it. And then I'm also trying to download. I have all of Bill Simmons' new episodes of his podcast, and then Jalen Jacoby and Bamani Jones now, and Better in the Dark. Still, I'm trying to catch up on stuff from there. By the way, happy nine year anniversary to Better in the Dark because they started on Super Bowl Sunday in 2007. This marks their ninth year of existence. Hopefully, Tom and Dee will get back in that studio soon and get things rolling. I'd love to hear new Better in the Dark, and I know you guys would too. I just have a lot of podcasts. What I also have is a ton of music. My problem is I don't know how to balance it all out. Because right now I'm like, all right, I'm going to listen to all the new music I put on my iPod. And I'm doing that. I'm making my way through. I'm up to Mac Miller. I started from alphabetically from the A's and I'm working my day down, way down. His album is called Good AM. So I'm on G's, but then I still got the whole rest of the alphabet to go and added a lot of new music. My problem is with everything being uh, not even, I don't want to say the way it is. But with with podcasts coming out so frequently and music coming out so frequently, my plan is I'm going to listen to all these albums and then I'll go back to try and catch up on podcasts. What I've been doing podcasts is I'll just go through and listen to the the oldest episode of that show that I have or the whatever one episode I have of that show. And then I'll keep going. I am never going to catch up on all these podcasts. And it's almost to the point where I feel like I don't need well, not, not that I don't need, but I feel like I should give up on something. I love the music, obviously. I love the podcast, obviously. It's super hard to know that I'm never going to catch up. Maybe that's just me. May like I just don't. I only listen in my car. I, I can't. Whoops. I can't listen. <laughs> Sorry, I hit my microphone. At home, I. Could, but there's always other stuff going on. I'm not going to be that guy rolling around with earbuds in my ears in public. Because normally when I'm in public, I'm with my family. I used to be that guy. I used to go everywhere with my iPod. When I walked and walked. When I rode the bus to work all the time, it was always me and my iPod everywhere. No big deal. But now, I'm in the car. When you're on a bus, you have more time to listen to things. And plus I had to walk from my house to the bus. So there's that. I don't know. I'm just I'm just interested how everybody handles handles their own situations, especially any fellow podcasters or podcast listeners out there who listen to a lot of podcast content, but then also have a lot of music that they like to listen to as well. Like maybe my problem is the fact that I'm still trying to keep up with the music. I I want to hear the new music still. If I didn't want to hear music, then I would just listen to podcasts all the time and it's like problem solved. But I know there's days when a podcast isn't going to fit the hole that I need. I need music. Or um, I was with Angel last weekend. We went to History Bowl Regionals which she won first and second place again. Congratulations, baby. Went to 
Western History Bowl regionals. I took my iPod and we just listened to the iPod on random. Um, you can't listen to a podcast on random. She's not into podcasts. I probably would have been okay listening to a podcast, but I wanted to listen to music and play some decent stuff that I hadn't heard in a while. So, th- so that was cool. So I'm torn. I should, I-, I should just suck it up, really. It's not a big deal. But it is. It is a big deal. Let's see. Why is he? I'm getting messages, trying to do a podcast, getting weird messages from my friends. Heather's sending me gifts right now. Before I get into our final topic, I got one more live read I want to share with you. And this one is from Tommy Hancock. And it's pretty long. Hopefully I don't butcher it like I just did Mark's stuff. But this is actual press release for some cool things that are happening in Pro Se Press. So here we go. Publisher signs renowned author and popular Western series. Pro Se Productions welcome, welcomes Robert J. Randisi and the Gunsmith. Pro Se Productions, a leading independent publisher on the cutting edge of genre fiction, proudly announces that celebrated author Robert J. Randisi has signed on with Pro Se for continued publication of one of the longest running and best known adult Western series ever, Randisi's The Gunsmith. As J.R. Roberts, Robert J. Randisi is the creator and author of long-running Western series The Gunsmith. As the series approaches number 415, Speaking Volumes LLC is bringing them out as e-books, starting with number one. The new Gunsmith books, beginning with 400, are now appearing in print form from Pro Se Productions and as e-books from Piccadilly Publishing. Under various other pseudonyms, 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 he has created and written Tracker, Mountain Jack Pike, Angel Eyes, Ryder, Talbot Roper, The Son of Daniel Shea, and The Gambler's Western Series. His Western short, story, Western short Story Collection, The Cast Iron Star and Other Western Stories, is now available in print and as an ebook from Western Fictioneers Books. In the mystery genre, he is the author of Miles Jacoby, Nick Delvecchio, Gil and Claire Hunt, Dennis McQueen, Joe Keogh, in the Rat Pack series, he has written more than 500 Western novels, has worked in the Western mystery, sci-fi, horror, and spy genres. He is the editor of over 30 anthologies. All told, he is author of over 650 top 50 novels. His arms are very, very tired. His Rat Pack novel, Everybody Kills Somebody Sometime, was optioned for a film for which he wrote the screenplay. The most recent Rat Pack novel, When Somebody Kills You, Sir... Severn House 2015, published by Severn House in 2015. The most recent Rat Pack novel is When Somebody Kills You. Randisi is the founder of the Private Eye Writers of America, the creator of the the Shamus Award, the co-founder of Mystery Science, Mystery Scene Magazine, the American Crime Writers League, Western Fictioneers, and their Peacemaker Award. In 2009, the Private Eye Writers of America awarded him the Life Achievement Award. And in 2013, the Red West Foundation presented him with their President's Award for Life Achievement. 
The Senate Pro Se Productions is proud, says Tommy Hancock, partner in and editor-in-chief of Pro Se. To be a part of the continuing adventures of the gunsmith is a huge understatement. As a publisher, I've been aware of Bob Randisi's work and this particular series all along, primarily because I was a fan many years before I was a part of Pro Se. To be able to work with the author of Bob's Caliber and then, to top it off, to be publishing the adventures of such an iconic adult Western hero as the gunsmith is probably the crowning achievement thus far for Pro Se and for me as well. The Gunsmith 400, The Lincoln Ransom by J.R. Roberts, will be released the week of February the 15th. So that's next week, y'all. With Rand DC writing as Roberts, Hancock will be the series editor with Percival Constantine. What up, Perry? Providing print formatting and artist Jeffrey Hayes providing covers and logo design. Pro Se Productions, a publisher of genre fiction since 2010, based in Batesville, Arkansas, is a place to find westerns, romances, science fiction, fantasy, hardcore crime, and any other genre available. Specializing in prose books, anthologies, audiobooks, and more, Pro Se has made a commitment to put the monthly back into pulp and continues to do that successfully, producing at least one new work every month. Pro Se is an innovator, continually refining its presentation and products and working on exciting new veins of genre fiction to bring to readers and fans of all ages everywhere. For more information on this title, interviews with the author, or digital copies to review this book, contact Pro Se Productions Director of Corporate, or, uh, Corporate of Corporate Operations, Christy King Morgan, at Director of Corporate Operations at prosepress.com. And that's prose-press.com. Or as I would prefer, prose-press.com. To learn more about Pro Se Productions, go to www.prose-press.com. Like Pro Se on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pro Se Productions. So that's pretty awesome because I'm familiar with the gunsmith. And that's huge. That is huge for Pro Se. So if you're into the gunsmith, he's got a new home, y'all. Make sure you check that out. Final topic. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, for those not educated, is a professional wrestler. He came up much in the vein of my favorite wrestler, CM Punk, of being an indie darling, an absolute technical wrestling marvel. And he came up through the ranks. He was indie. He did Ring of Honor. He worked New Japan. He worked all over the world. And then finally about Six years ago at this point, almost six years ago, WWE signed him. And he always went by the name of his actual name, which is Brian Danielson in the Indies. So he signed with WWE and they just flipped his name around, got rid of the, uh, the son. So now he became Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was stuck in awful storylines forever. He didn't win an XT. He was part of the Nexus storyline. He got fired for choking Justin Roberts, but they brought him back for SummerSlam. He had constant storylines where he was dating various divas, including his future wife, Brie. Uh, he turned. He ended up winning Money in the Bank at twenty in 2011. Same Money in Bank where Punk left with the WWE title after he beat John Cena. He cashed in Money in the Bank months later on Big Show to win the World Heavyweight Championship. 
He turned heel in the process. He started, he had started this chant, a yes chant, whenever he came to the ring, just him jumping up and down and yelling yes, yes, yes. And then when it started catching on, when he made his heel turn, he started screaming no back at everyone. By the time I went to WrestleMania 28 in Miami, Daniel Bryan fever was at an all-time high. He was set to defend his title against Sheamus that night. When they both came out to the ring, I saw this live for myself, Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan turned his back on Sheamus to kiss his then-valet girlfriend, AJ Lee, storyline. Turned around and got a bro kick to the face. And he lost his World Heavyweight Championship in 18 seconds to Sheamus at WrestleMania. But that day was the day that the Yes Movement was born. Now I'm going to skim over the rest of the story. From there, he just kept getting more over and more over until finally... He got his first shot at the WWE title against John Cena. And he beat John Cena clean. But then Triple H and the Authority worked to rob him of that title he won. So he spent months and months chasing the title again until finally at WrestleMania 30, he reclaimed the title as his own and beat Triple H, Randy Orton, and Batista all in the same night. Shortly after WrestleMania, he got injured. And it was a serious injury. He was out from April, May of 2014 until January of 2015. He came back, wrestled in the Royal Rumble, wrestled a fast lane, did TV shows, house matches, house shows, wrestled at um, WrestleMania, won the Intercontinental title. Just a few short weeks later, he was hurt again. And this time, he wasn't, he wasn't able to come back. He's had so many concussions over the course of his 18 years in WWE that after arguing with WWE and his family and doctors for months, that he was fine and that he could return to the ring He finally had a test about two weeks ago that said, you're not all right. So effective immediately on Monday, Night Raw, Daniel Bryan retired from WWE. He came out and soaked up the yes chance. He explained the whole locker room came out and did yes chance. It was it was really emotional thing. So I don't want to sit here and cry and moan that Daniel Bryan's not a wrestler. I completely understand. I think anybody who's watched professional wrestling, at least WWE in the past three years, realizes what is being lost right now from Daniel having to retire, from Bryan having to retire. He was a one-of-a-kind talent that that became the face of WWE despite all the odds. And then to have that ripped away from him, it's unfair, but it's necessary. So I just wanted to take these few minutes to 
say on my podcast for me personally as someone who did not like his character at one point to someone who was right there with the rest of Pittsburgh and Miami doing yes chance or even in my own living room with my friends watching WrestleMania when he finally won the world heavyweight championship. Thank you, Daniel Bryan. Thank you for one being as great and determined as you were in the ring. And thank you for setting an example for hopefully generations of wrestling fans and potential pro wrestlers to come. Thank you. Recommendations. I got two for y'all. J. Cole's Friday Night Lights came out in 2011, 2010, 2010, I think. I never had listened to it. I had it all this time. It's a free mixtape they put out. Never listened to it until this past week. It's phenomenal. It's just another reason why J. Cole is one of my favorite rappers now. So if you're looking for some free music, just search J. Cole Friday Night Lights. It's a free mixtape. You do not have to pay for it. So recommend that on the music front. Another thing I want to recommend is there's an article that Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton, and yes, Wesley Crusher and Will Wheaton from Big Bang Theory, he wrote a few months ago about rebooting his life and trying to get be healthier and all these things. It's something I've actually been trying to follow myself. Not exactly the same, but something I can use as a guideline for what I would like to eventually do with my life to get healthier and make and take better care of myself. So if you go to willweeden.net, I believe he has a blog there. It's also on his medium um, page. So medium.com slash at Will Wheaton, W I L W H E A T O N. And it's like seven steps to rebooting my life. Check that out. It's well worth the read. It's, it's nice to see somebody else putting out their flaws out there and how they are planning on fixing them. Very, um, very, very refreshing. So as we round into the end, because I got to take myself inside to get back to work on this exciting Friday as it's snowing Morgantown. You can find the show on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. That way the show gets more exposure. Please tell your friends because I plan on sending my car for as long for the time being doing these shows. I'm having a ball. Having a great time with you guys. You can find the show on Stitcher. If you go to podcast.behyphen.com, you'll see our RSS links, my RSS links. You can put, it's a feed burner link. You can put us, put it into your favorite podcast reader and check out the show that way. Also on Stitcher, just search hyphen nation. Um, and then, all, of course, all episodes are available on behyphen.com and on podcast.behyphen.com and on tricycleoffense.wordpress.com. So there's no excuse for saying, I didn't see it. It's there. And I'm, I'm working on a new news. I'm going to work on a new newsletter soon. So all of the shows will be in there too for you to check out. If you want to contact me, 
B-H-Y-P-H-E-N at gmail.com. Facebook, Kellen Conley. If you're not a weirdo, I'll add you. Again, that's something else I hope that I'll say live at a show one day. Everybody like, if you're not a weirdo, I'll add you. <laughs> and then be hyphen on Twitter. Um, if you go to be hyphen.com at the very top of the page, all my social links are there. So you can find me all over. Please add me on Snapchat. I've been a little lax this week, concentrating on getting talking out the dead done, which is done. Just waiting on Thomas's last piece. Um, to get ready for the big um, season premiere on Friday. It's Friday. On Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that's it. I'm going to get those Amazon links up. So any shopping you want to do on Amazon, if you go through my links, anything you buy, well, I'll get a little kickback to go towards the show production cost. And maybe buy Leah something nice. I don't know. Maybe my wife too. Happy Valentine's Day. Be safe out there. Be thankful and grateful for everything you have. Thank you, Daniel Bryan. I wish it would stop snowing. Tell your loved ones and friends you love them. And that's it for me. So go do something else. Go be free. I'm going to go eat a glazed donut. I'm out. Check, 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 check. Check me out now. Check me out now. I think I got a microphone working. Uh, check me out now. Check me out now. I think I got a microphone working. Check me out now. Check me out now. I think I got a microphone working. Check me out. Check me out. Check me out. Yeah, yeah. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes. I don't know. Blah, 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 bl